Welcome to the Community Development Podcast. A podcast dedicated to community development practice and approaches, sharing our learning and connecting the workforce. My name is Russell. Welcome to episode 36. It's a conversation that was recorded actually last uh, summer, summer 2022, with Jess Gitchum from Bristol Energy Cooperative. It hung around in an unedited state for a little bit longer than I'd always intended. Uh, So apologies to Jess um, and the gang at the cooperative for that. But I've dug it out, dusted it down, and I think it's a nice companion piece with episode 34 with Ken Moon from the community land bank Tier Pontypridd in South Wales, because it covers similar ground in terms of communities coming together to take collective action with respect to the ownership of things that are fairly fundamental to our uh, sort of basic uh, needs in, in society and as communities. So access to land and the use of land, in Ken's case, and the production and consumption of energy in the case of the Bristol Energy Cooperative. So it's me, Russell Todd, speaking to Jess Gitchen from Bristol Energy Cooperative. Hi, Russell. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me on today. I'm great, thanks. So you're the communications manager at Bristol Energy Cooperative, which I guess in many respects does what it says on the tin. Um, but tell us a little bit more about your role there and um, you know a little bit more about the organisation. Yeah, um... I mean, in terms of doing communications at Bristol Energy Co-op, um, there's a few different elements to that. I'm I'm helping in the promotion of our fundraisers because we, we need to bring money into organize our organisation in order to deliver on our projects. So let me just explain about how we work. We're a not-for-profit community energy organisation working in the southwest, and we raise funds, build renewable energy projects. And that's to cut carbon, um, but also we reinvest the revenues from our projects into the local community. Um, And what makes us really different to a standard installer is the community engagement and ownership around it. Um, So we invite individuals to invest in us so that they can have a stake in those renewable energy projects. So our membership base right now is uh, about, well, it's just over 1,200 members. And those members get a return on their investments. And yeah, I'm involved in kind of talking to them, building a community around them. Um, but we also have the the other communities that are important to us, such as our host sites where we have uh, rooftop solar uh, on community buildings, for example, um, and to the wider Bristol community as well. And also to, to the partners who benefit from our um, community benefit funds, uh, if you will. So, so these grants of money that go into different pockets of uh, Bristol's um, green initiatives and things like that. Um, we help money to be driven into those to help them to do, to do their projects. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a lot of strands to it. <laughs> uh, what we're doing is not just the energy, it, it's kind of people's input in and uh, where that money's going afterwards that, that is really important to us. So in terms of the preparation for this, I've come at this episode from the perspective that energy then is a commodity and there's a philosophical debate about whether uh, you know it should be um, in, in its privatised, marketised uh, form um, in this country, in our sort of liberal economy, you know, whether that should be the case or not, you know, is, is a debate to be had. But what's interesting in in, in this episode, when we talk about energy, is that there is a parallel with something that on the surface feels very, very different. So when I was speaking with Kimberly Jones from the, the Grief Space project in Cardiff, where she's dealing with uh, bereavement 
and doing so in a very kind of community focused way, but doing it in the grip of the pandemic, which you know clearly had a structural element to it because you know some people were disproportionately affected by that than others. While we're speaking, we're hearing about this um, you know, so-called cost of living crisis. Notwithstanding, some people, some communities of, of, of you know perpetually find themselves um, struggling with the cost of, of living. But there's a structural element to the energy that we're using, and in the face of that, you your website talks about building solidarities, creating you know, uh, uh, you know collective responses. You know these these words are in your mission statement; they're on your website fairly prominently. Um, you know the word organizing is in there and organized. Um, you know why take this approach rather than I don't know a more purer, uh, you know, for want of a better word, market approach. Yeah, I mean. As you say, it's about the way that you look at energy uh, from a buying and selling perspective. And um, I mean, certainly when we started out uh, in 2011, um, there were several elements to it. I mean, the the importance of uh, the climate emergency, as well as people's relationship with energy. It, it, I think the fuel poverty issue has got worse and worse and is obviously at its, you know, and it's absolute worst right now, um, perhaps set to, to get worse in autumn. But but back when we started, um, there was a sense of pulling people together around energy in order to tackle some of those big picture climate issues. So, you know, for the past 10 years, there has been, uh, unfortunately, I think, a lack of investment from government, from institutions into um, green technologies. And that's left us where we are now in terms of the uh, reliance on fossil fuels. It's left us quite vulnerable. Um, so a piece of what we're doing is to uh, build resilience um, by putting into pro you know renewable uh, projects such as wind and solar that are going to be there for the long term. You know, there's no one to turn that tap off, is there? Um, so, so, so that was right there at the beginning. I think where we are now, you're, you're quite right that the energy system is it's exposed how uh, chaotic it is really and how vulnerable it's left people so this idea that I mean we're in a week where BP has you know announced record profits um, it, it, there's this real uh, sort of injustice around some people making huge amounts of money off energy whilst other people who are using very little of it and living in really leaky homes suffering the most at the other end of that spectrum so part of the role of community energy is also to to try to le level up if you'd like um some of those disparities in the way that we can yeah yeah and well maybe it's a timely episode because um it does very much throw a light on by you know as a, as a topic on on some of the very sort of pernicious um inequalities that exist in uh, in the uk and energy in terms of fuel poverty you know is very much you know a core element a key element of that of that inequality and i'm sure the uk isn't alone in this i mean there's lots of other kind of western liberal economies in, in a similar situation i'm sure but i mean i you know i, I noticed this week as well that there is a dis difference in you know how the state how the government is responding in france for example with an energy cap than than, than it is in in the uk uh, which appears to be wanting to let the market dictate um a, a little bit more how the crisis is is, is dealt with so yes as i said it's uh, it's timely uh, you're a cooperative you know it's, it's there in the in the title uh there on the on the tin you know with these episodes i don't like to automatically assume that people you know, understand 
these these terms, these terminologies. I mean, even even if people are involved in maybe community work, community development, or just kind of activism, whether they call it that or not, of course, they may not necessarily be familiar with the term or, or familiar with the term, but not understand the concept. Unpack it a little bit for me um, in respect of your cooperative, Bristol Energy Cooperative. Yeah, absolutely. So the way that we're run is that we have these share offers um, that we, we open up and it's at those times that we allow people to invest in us. And so when they invest, they become a member. Now, it doesn't matter how much you invest. We, you know, you can invest from £100 up to £100,000, but it doesn't matter how much you've invested. Everyone has one vote. Uh, so it's one vote, one member, regardless of your shareholding. And we feel that's quite a democratic way to to manage the organisation. Uh, it avoids, you know, the temptation of impacting our decision making by, you know, who the bigger investors are, and it keeps us to our core mission. Um, it, you know, it's also worth saying that we have these primary rules in terms of how we're run. So uh, they are visible, they're really transparent, um, and they keep us on the same track as when we started in day one. It gives stability. If there were any changes to those primary rules, they'd need to be voted on by our members. At our, you know, We have an annual general meeting. Um, we also have events during the year to engage our members. So you, know, you, you invest in us, you become a member, but then there's a bit of an onward journey from there. So we work quite hard at, at building our community through newsletters, through events, um, we're sharing information with our members um, quite deeply and getting them involved in, in sort of bigger picture campaigns that are going on uh, in community energy as well. I'd say as well, cooperative, it's not just about our members, like it impacts the entire way we think about our business. So we spend an awful lot of time collaborating with uh, local authorities, with private enterprise as well, and trying to build connections between all these different um, sometimes sort of disparate bodies for the bigger picture purpose of getting to net zero, um, trying to bring benefits to local area and, and not just have sort of, yeah, big renewable energy installers who maybe funnel those uh, profits elsewhere. You, you know, we're, we're working quite hard to, to build bridges between organisations. Um, so there's, there's several elements to it, really, in terms of the, the cooperative. Thanks, Jess. That's really, really helpful. And I think what I might do is drop in the show notes just the just a reference to the, the seven you know basic uh, cooperative principles, just to help kind of flesh that out and, uh, and have them there for people. And a key thing with those principles is that you know they're not kind of ranked in any order. There's those seven principles of, of, of equal weight and, and equal importance, I suppose. But on the on the question of membership, you know that does appear to be quite a, a strong element of your cooperative, uh, as it probably is in all cooperatives, but particularly in the energy cooperative, because it is quite distinct from most of us being you know mere customers and and probably at the wrong end of a, a, a quite a significant imbalance of of power in the sense that our providers can you know manipulate prices they can their, their dividends that they give to shareholders etc tend to be you know largely unaccountable whereas your membership structure and and some of the voting kind of rights that you've you've alluded to there um is a way of maybe leveling out that that power imbalance am i am i interpreting that right and another one then would also be you know the share issue then and the, and the, the ability to to raise shares and obviously you know that 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 is a key point it's one member one vote irrespective of the investment that they've made previously yeah, it, tell it, us about the share issues as well we do get money about half our money comes from our investor members the other half is from sort of commercial loans and things like this but um it's our chance right now we've got a huge ambition and we're scaling up 
what we want to do. So, well, first of all, find out a bit about more we do. And if people feel uh, they have some disposable income that they, they, they don't need, you know, wondering where to put it, this, this is something you can consider doing, basically putting your money into something you might believe in. And at the end of it, uh, if you become a member, you get a return on your investment. So, um, you know, our, our share offers and, and what we're doing is for social environmental purpose. It's, it's not like a typical investment where you might be doing it for financial returns, but we do at the same time provide, uh, you know, it, it's currently 3.5% a return that is enough to attract people in. And it's probably worth pointing out that those share issues tend to be time limited. Yeah. And, you know, they happen from time to time. So just you know, keep yeah. a lookout, you know, on your socials, on the website and things for, for when those are running. I, I, what I know about running and then energy co-op, you can write in the back of a, a postage stamp. Uh, uh, but you're talking about some big figures there, but you're not a huge organisation either. You've touched on some of the the, the other organisations that you, you work with. Give us a flavour of, of some of those other maybe sort of strategic relationships that you've that you've got. I mean, that, that is actually pretty good going for a community energy organisation who, who are typically run off volunteers. So whilst resource is a bit of a weakness, I'd say our networks are our real strength and they are massively varied. So we have project partners. We might be working with other community energy organisations sometimes, or we were working with, you know, Bristol City Council on projects that we're, we're trying to work on or, or scale up or, or build for our, for, you know, down the line with our project pipeline. We're working with some private organisations. So uh, currently, for example, Wilmot Dixon are uh, helping on the refurbishment of Bristol Beacon, which is uh, the uh, the big mu- music venue over here. Uh, it was previously known as Colston Hall and they're doing a major refurbishment and we've been talking with them to basically quadruple the solar rooftop offering that's on there. And they're really interested in talking about maybe some onward work as well. So these relationships with private with local authorities that they can really help our project part timeline but they're also really helping to 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 deliver with those organizations on their net zero, net zero targets that they've all got and aside from that we you know practically we just have to work with uh, partners who uh, help assist with our um, like our solar farm maintenance and things like that we we work with ethex who are the fundraising in, uh, investment platform we, we've got really close long-term relationships with organizations just just to help on the delivery of the day-to-day work that's involved as you say community energy it's complex there's a lot of elements around it um, project work it, it takes a long time to get these projects on board um, and we just have to be realistic about what we can do and uh, where the skills are best placed elsewhere so in community development and community work we often um, invariably have a you know, specific community in mind with whom we're working, whether that's you know, a community of geography or a community of interest, community of shared characteristic, or the intersection of those, so a community of interest within a particular geographical uh, context. You obviously have a membership, and I guess so. You know, there's a community of sorts there that's discernible and, and sort of ring-fenced, uh, typified by that, that membership status. But is there any other conception of community that you work with as, as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not everybody can invest and we completely accept that. It's not an option for, for those, you know, for those who, who haven't got that available income. What bonds us as a cooperative is the belief in a different energy system, one that, you know, supports perhaps community ownership, allows people to have a stake in it, also supports the movement of revenues and profits into, you know, supporting community, uh, 
whether that be fuel poverty or whether that be climate action locally. Um, I think I think it's about almost challenging the system that's there, which I think a lot of pe a lot of people can be in agreement that there's something very wrong wrong with that, and and they're seeking to do something about it, and that at the core is is what we're offering and, and allow people involvement in and you know you can follow be involved in our newsletter or come to events that we're running and you don't need to be necessarily a member for, for that involvement and to be interested in it or you could simply be finding out more about what's going on with community energy and becoming either a volunteer or simply following the, the news updates to get that different view of how an energy system could work so it's quite a broad or versatile varied conception more like it i suppose as well then that that's that's the importance but well, it's both it both demonstrates the importance of but also perhaps that versatility helps in building those solidarities then with other communities so bristol's in the title it's a big city relatively large hinterland as well of course but if someone else is listening to this involved in a, a um a, you know community energy or a renewables organization or or, or maybe they're more focused on you know climate justice and, and finding local uh, solutions to tackling the climate crisis then there's something in it for them because presumably you're motivated by similar values related to some of those yeah, causes. Yeah I'd say so I, it, you know the work that we're doing typically is local but it I mean this is where the cooperative nature comes in is that you're we're, we're just part of a network community energy that is going on across the country there's over 400 of these organizations working around the country some of them are purely working on fuel poverty giving advice to people uh, energy advice some are really focused on energy efficiency measures and retrofit um and then organizations like ours are trying to deliver kind of a bit of a mix but but doing a lot of the um sort of you know renewable energy projects such as solar and battery storage and things like that so it does mean different things depending on where you are in the country and but we we take quite a holistic open view approach and and certainly part of my workload involves this big picture communication of of what community energy is and to bring as many people on board to that because that's the whole purpose is we're trying to engage people and 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 to make uh, i'd say make the energy system more transparent it, it feels really distant at the moment um, people don't have a stake in it. They don't have a voice. They don't necessarily understand why their bills have gone up. So, if we can allow, you know, people to be to be involved in a different way, whether it's become an energy advisor in their local area, that's immediately a completely different relationship with energy than what they had before. Yeah, and that reminds me of the quote from, you know, Sololinsky, "Rules for Radicals." That if people don't have the power to solve their problems, and they won't even think about trying to solve them and I think the way in which the cost of living crisis is being portrayed and and how a lot of the you know the providers themselves are you know encouraging kind of adaptive behavioral change uh you know adaptive responses to 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 the crisis you know people essentially just have to basically have to suck it up and change their behaviors you know turn the heat thermostat down a, a degree or two um you know wear an extra layer or two and things like that rather than rather than people coming together to address some of the more fundamental issues here that are, that are at play, which is um, you know, an extractive model of capitalism that is sucking out surplus profit into you know, a small number of pockets you know, at the expense of, of, of a large number of other people and all sorts of other issues around fossil fuels and, and, and so on. And if I'm understanding it correctly, tell me a bit more about this organisation Zero West because it covers a, a far bigger sort of regional territorial footprint 
and to a certain extent is another expression and another uh, example of this organizing people coming together presumably to discuss some of these causes yeah zero west is is really kind of a a, a bringing together of people so the whole sort of reason for it being is accelerating the transition to zero carbon, zero waste, and, and, and its remit is the West of England. Actually, Bristol Energy Cooperative is a founder member of this, and our founder, Andy O'Brien, he leads a lot of the work of bringing people together. He's on the phone a lot, but he, generally the idea is to, to arrange events around particular topics of transport, the built environment, the heating, and inviting in people from the commercial sector, from the community sector and from the four West of England local authorities, people who who do have decision making powers as well, um, so that they can take sort of some of the inspiration from this, become engaged in it, and then use that to go on to to sort of uh, you know Im have an impact on their strategies. And the whole purpose is to recognise we don't individually have the answers. When you get the right skills, you know, different mix of skills in the room. Some people, you know, they can bring maybe financial resource. Maybe they can bring a, a team of people. Um, maybe they have some expert knowledge in, in a, a subject area. Bring all of that together and suddenly you really start to see large scale change. It's collaboration where you're going to find the answers that, that actually solve it for the region and, and not just for ad hoc work that, projects that you're doing here and there. We talk about learning for change being at the heart of community development. You've alluded to maybe sort of a couple of events, going out and raising awareness and things like that. So presumably you know, that is a, a fairly distinct element of, of, of what you at the, at, the, at the Energy Cooperative do. Yeah, absolutely. There's no sort of prerequisite of, of knowledge that you need to have in, in becoming a member of a community energy organisation. It, it's more that sort of desire to, to want to see the change happen. And then once you're, you know, involved, whatever format that is, you start to learn more and more about, well, for example, uh, you know, the government's energy strategy it was released for about a month ago now. You know, what what are the thoughts on that? Is that is that going to deliver the sort of picture that we want for the country? You know, you, you, you sort of dig a bit deeper in terms of, of what that means, uh, is what's going on at government level. Uh, learning about the new technologies. I mean, it's such a fast pace of change that's going on at the moment because it needs to be. We have to get off fossil fuels. So there's so much discussion going on about different ways of storing energy, of uh, flexibility on the grid, you know, balancing demand of usage versus what's being produced. You know, the big debate everyone talks about, is, is there enough renewable energy? Can we power the country off renewable energy? Learning and reading a bit more about what wind can deliver. It helps you to be more informed to then actually get more comfort in the fact that the future is quite positive. There is so much work going on uh, offshore wind, massive sector that's going to be developing in storage technology, in all this demand flexibility, there's so much work going on that we actually have a lot of reasons to be hopeful. And that's really empowering and really positive to know that that's happening because we don't hear about it all that often. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's about you know, persuading people to you know, engage with these debates, these issues, you know, let alone then you know, engaging and joining you know, movements, cooperatives, getting involved in actual governance and, and, and activism of, of, of organisations and things like that. That is the, the challenge. I don't know whether you're familiar with the, the concept of the Rogers curve, but that talks about how important it is in any, with any innovation in any mass social movement 
it's important that those people that kind of come on board relatively early, so not those not those very kind of radical, those innovators who who, who are the very kind of progenitors and the, and the the instigators of things, but those people that kind of early adopt basically how important they are in getting other people involved, making discussions you know, a little bit more mainstream about issues, pushing ideas out of the nest as it were. And that's why, you know, berating people for only recently getting on board, perhaps, isn't really very, very helpful. It doesn't matter whether people have been involved, you know, for 10 years or 10 minutes. It's what people can do together going forward. That's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and just as a sort of interesting example of the ways that we do that is I'm talking um, to a, the sites where we have uh, solar panels on their rooftop. So, so these are typically community-focused organisations. You might get um, sort of hubs, sports centres, art centres, they're run for the purpose of the community and they might just be a place where someone can come get a hot cup of tea and use the internet or something like that. So we put solar panels on their rooftops and once the solar panels are up there, the building is really reaping a benefit from them. They're reduced energy bills, you know, in total across all the sites, we've sa- we're saving them about £40,000 a year on their energy bills, um, which is amazing. I mean, it's a really great way of delivering community benefit. But I'm also, it's really important to me that we're, we are talking to the people in the building or about what's going on on the roof, because that is another community of people who are, you know, potentially can have that engagement with, with energy, renewable energy, talk about net zero and things. That doesn't mean much to them. But when you say, oh, well, you know, there's 84 panels on this rooftop. Isn't that cool? Would you like to see some pictures? Um, it's actually powering that computer that you're using right there um, and lighting up these rooms. And the building actually has saved, uh, you know, a thousand pounds this year um, because they, they've not done that. And they're putting their money into, you know, these services. And it, it's it's very straightforward. But solar panels are essentially, essentially invisible once they're on the roof. Um, so it's it's important that we are letting um, everyone know, users of the building know about it because when they next hear about solar panels, that's what they'll think of. They'll think of their local community centre. It won't be some distant thing in a field that has no connection to them. Um, and this is where I think energy and food have that similar um, sort of uh, mentality around them is that when we bring it close to people, it really alters the relationship and then has onward positive impacts because they become sort of advocates of it, if you know what I mean. They're defensive of their community centre and the rooftop solar panels that are on there. And, it, you know, suddenly they're, they're, they're part of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and all, all power to you. You're into your second decade now as the cooperative. What does the future hold? Yeah, we've had, uh, because of the cost of living crisis, we've had a lot more community-focused um, organisations contact us with interest uh, for panels on their roofs. So we're definitely, you know, we're, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we're looking to scale up is to help deliver on more of those projects. But um, also the uh, getting, getting closer and closer, it's, you know, net zero by 2030 in Bristol. So there's a hell of a lot more projects more more widely that need to be delivered on. We're looking at a range of um, projects from energy storage uh, to innovative work on, on smart housing. We'd love to do some wind, but um, government stance is currently not very supportive of it. So it's very, it's very hard work to be able to deliver on those. From a longer time to be involved in is big picture energy efficiency. I mean, it, this has to happen on such a large scale. You know, the country has to change 
a huge amount and it's the easiest way to insulate people from their escalating bills. So it, it is a priority, but it has to be done on, on a big scale to make it financially viable. Um, and so our role within that, we, I mean, we're really well positioned um, to help deliver it because we've got all the connections and networks between industry, local authorities. We're trusted in the community um, so we can get buy-in from residents for changes to their houses because there's a, an awful lot of upheaval that's going to have to go on in, in people's homes. Um, so they, they do need to have a trusted organisation to do that. So we're, we're trying to, you know, consider ways that we can pull, you know, local authorities and, and organisations together to help that be a, a real priority for the next uh, five to ten years. Well, I wish you the very, very best of luck with all of that. Um, say, saving the planet's no small task, is it? <laughs> um, if people want to get in touch with you, want to know a little bit more about the cooperative, maybe they're involved in their own local uh, you know, energy um, activity, uh, I want some you know, advice and guidance, maybe they want to sign up, join, or just keep track, what would be the best way of doing that, Jess? Yeah, we are on Twitter, at Briz Energy, so it's B-R-I-Z-N-R-G. You can contact us also on uh, Facebook, we're Bristol Energy Co-op, and our email address is info at bristolenergy.coop. Um, or just check out our website and um, and there's a contact form on there. But yeah, we, lo we love to hear from people and, and um, you know, anyone who's interested to know a little bit more about any of this can, can get in touch. And by way of preparation for this, I obviously visited your website, spent a bit of time on that, uh, bristolenergy.coop.coop, uh, C-O-O-P. And there's uh, you know, a wealth of resources on there. There's some films and, and all sorts of things on their media um, that, that give you a better uh, you know, idea of, 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 what, uh, of what the Energy Cooperative is about, um, you know, including you know, the cooperative itself and its kind of governance and structures. And one of the things that, came, that, that struck me as well is, is quite how... Uh, how transparent it is you know there's a real commitment to transparency on on the part of the organization in the sense that there's you know accounts up there agm materials dating back several years and get to know the teams there's a personability to it as well all that's really really important and uh, that does come shining through thank you and, and generally if anyone's interested to know more about the community energy movement you know you've got community energy england community energy scotland community energy wales or literally just type in hashtag Energy on Twitter, and you'll you'll suddenly see a well. Stories, I think it'll be it's a refreshing change from what we hear day to day in the news. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. You know, if people are interested more generally in community energy as a movement, what would be the best way of doing it? But you've preempted that one. Uh, your internet has dropped up just a little bit as well, so um, let's not push our luck. Um, hugely grateful to you, Jess, for your time. No, that was lovely. Thank you very much for organising it. <laughs> and as I said, best of luck with everything that you doing it is important we surface these issues there's a lot awful lot going on in the world uh, obviously the situation in the ukraine has um you know has affected i think you know i think that is a legitimate thing to say on the part of our political leaders that uh, that has disrupted the the energy markets i think it's disingenuous for them to say that that is um you know the sole reason um and i think you know you look at somebody like martin lewis in the uk I and mean, you know we talked about trust earlier you know there's someone who's incredibly hugely trusted by the public um, in the uk far more than any any politician is I'm, I'm 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 certain you know he's made any number of media appearances of late calling that that uh, disingenuousness out um, on the part of, of, of our political leaders um, and him saying that um, you know this 
uh, cost of living crisis or the, or the the energy kind of contribution to that um, was was incoming long before um, the hostilities um, you know started stirring in in the Ukraine. So um, you know I think it is important, as I said, that we're surfacing these issues. And uh, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on things, and uh, you know maybe we can keep in touch and uh, catch up and do a, a future episode. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you for listening to the Community Development Podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at comdevtpodcast, C-O-M-M-D-E-V-T podcast. And to support the podcast and help it share learning, connect the workforce and raise the profile and the merits of community development approaches, why not become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the CD podcast.